Hey all, and welcome to Own Rooted, brought to you by Olmsted Wine Co. I'm your host, Max, and our guest today is Andres Carul from Alicante, Spain. Winemaking isn't the kind of gig you can pursue casually. It's a holistic enterprise, and the enormity of the thing can be both hypnotic and thrilling. For Andres and his wife, Marta, wine is more than a career. It is a sacred calling around which their whole world revolves. And after talking with Andres, my mind was lit up and my hopes rekindled. generation making wines. Our ancestors, they made grapes mm-hmm. that they sold to other wineries. Mm-hmm. So after working in different wineries uh, abroad or in Spain, Martha, my wife and, and I decided to start our own winery. In fact, we, are, we have no tradition in the family uh, of, of wine making. Mm-hmm. We have tradition of Great making. So we have we have born in the vines on orange trees, etc. But in but growing, not not making wine. So mm-hmm. um, after after having my studies in uh, agronomy engineering, I decided to study uh, analogist because I'm mm-hmm. musician as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here uh, I play in a band when I was oh, nice. really young. <laughs> when I was really you young, I started. I play saxophone and oh, nice. electric guitar. Nice, yeah, nice. Electric guitar, yeah. So I started to drink wine very, very early, at 10 years old, more or less. Mm. <laughs> so, because um, in the band, uh, in the music band in Spain, is quite common. So mm-hmm. drinking wine in festivals or something like that. So <laughs> I started, my, my first steps with wine was quite early. But was in, when I was finishing my degree in uh, agronomic engineering, I decided to make m- my uh, final project, making wine with green coverts, making organic wine with green coverts, which I was collaborating with wine winery in this area, mm-hmm. with the university, making trial analysis, etc., etc. And I was... Deep in, deep in love with um, all around the wine mm-hmm. and I decided that I, I wanted to live uh, I wanted to work, live uh, because wine for me is my hobby, is my passion, is my uh, work, is, is everything so wine for me is everything so <laughs> I have, there is no minute, there is not second in my life that I, I'm not thinking on wine grapes, soil Weather, biodynamic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's so amazing. It, it, it's turning, it's turning so crazy, because uh, my wife, my wife uh, joined us. So my wife is working with me. So we are quite happy. We are quite lucky with that, because otherwise, my my friends, for example, all of them told me that I'm a, 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 a fucking freaky. A <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, freaky yeah. <laughs> that always are thinking in whining. Graves in, in traveling in wineries, regions, <laughs> but it's my life. It's, it's my passion, and I, yeah. I, 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 I never, I never imagine um, another life like mm-hmm. this. So we, we have a, a rural, a rural farming life 
we have we have animals in the state. We have chickens. We have uh, geese. We have uh, cats, dogs. And the next step uh, that we want to uh, that we want to move forward is in the next couple of years uh, have uh, horses in the, oh, cool. in the wineries as well and working the vines with horses. Mm-hmm. So this is my illusion. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, the maybe this is the thing that I am looking forward with more energy for for a really near future. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to do it in the next maybe two years. How did you become interested in biodynamics and what made you decide that this is how you wanted to direct the farm moving forward? I discovered the biodynamic in 2007 when I was working in Bordeaux in Chateau Fon Roc with Alain Moix, probably one of the one of the first person uh, practicing biodynamic in, in in those in this classic uh, mm-hmm. appellation in France, Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. So he was like a wizard. He was like a <laughs> yeah, like a, like a wizard. So I really I really fell in love um, with this time when I was working there. And after coming back to Alicante to our to our to Vienna, of course we started to work with organic. But uh, we get a step further in 2019 when we felt that we were ready to move to biodynamic growing. And when we were, in terms of spiritual and spiritual and energetic way, we were ready, we were mature, mm. we were ripe. My wife, Martha, and I, we are people who believe in energies. We practice yoga, we mm. uh, Reiki, mm. we, we do Reiki to the plant vines as well. <laughs> so um, so this, is the way we, this, this is the way we are growing, uh, that we are teaching, and that we are growing our three kids, our three children. So it didn't make sense if we didn't do it in, in our state as well. Sure our plant is like a philosophy a lifestyle there is not a, a we don't we don't choose biodynamic because we needed to be certified for selling more wines etc it's like a click in our life in our personal life and we decided to change everything our life our spiritual connection with uh, with the world and of mm-hmm. course our job overall yeah in addition to running his own business, Andres has taken over the benchmark label Finca Casa Balaguer, an icon in Spanish natural wine made famous through the labors of one Rafa Bernabe. My experience with Andres' work has been entirely through the prism of Finca Casa Balaguer, and I was eager to find out how he'd evolved the company since stepping into the role. So in Rafa, the re- re- relation with Rafa, Rafa uh, had the winery in Vienna where we live, so we had our family winery. Uh, he was working. He was making his wines. We were we were making our wines. And in 2016, I contact Rafa. Uh, Rafa, um, I would like to visit you because I'm very curious of uh, the natural wines you are making. Uh, how you were with Tinajas. He invited me to to come to work uh, to to visit. And I proposed him to to make a wine together mm, because I mm. wanted to be more involved uh, and and learn as much as possible from him. 
he accepted, of course. So we started to make a, a short and a small collaboration in 2016. And then I, I went by myself working the wines. He was by itself working the wines. And at the end of 2017, Rafa called me. He told me that he couldn't continue his project. Mm-hmm. So he encouraged me, he um, proposed me to continue his project mm-hmm. because we were in a very tiny winery, garage winery, in an industrial building <laughs> when we started. So very, very tiny. And so he told me, you need to grow, you need to mm-hmm. improve, you need now to, to give a, a step forward. And I propose you to continue my project. So mm. he wanted, as he saw that we were in the same wave. So we were working mm-hmm. the same way. We were, uh, we are very interested in biodynamic practices, mm-hmm. sustainable practices. He wanted to sell. He wanted to transpass the his project to someone who continue his project. You know. Mm-hmm. So that that's why. Rafa told me we get an agreement and we started in Casa Balaguer mm-hmm. since 2018, was, which was in the Rafa's house since mm-hmm. this time. What have you, are you trying to just do exactly what he was doing under that label or are you trying to change some things up? Like what's staying the same and what's really different? In my opinion, we did almost, almost different. So oh, we, okay. So, so the philosophy obviously is the same sure. in terms of uh, respecting uh, non-intervention, nothing edit, etc. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to um, transmit our footprint. Mm-hmm. So um, somebody told me uh, that is like a, a, a step further of Rafa. So with the same feeling, but giving some technician. Um, structure to the project mm, mm, mm. because because um uh, martha and i both we are technicians we are we are enologists both martha is a biologist i'm mm. agronomy engineer so all we do is always following a te- technique a technical um basement mm-hmm. a technical basement uh, but the feeling the atmosphere is the same Wine folks are constantly talking up the importance of terroir. While observing the influence of a particular place upon the final wine can be a mystical experience, it's important to understand that the trinity of climate, soil, and aspect have deep farming ramifications as well. Andres works with two radically distinct terroirs that he expresses differently in the cellar. But before we can discuss the wines coming from these environments, we have to understand the contrast from an agricultural perspective. So uh, you, you have to imagine uh, La Mata, imagine the beach, okay? Mm-hmm. So the coast, beach, zero meters, mm-hmm. very sandy soil and very salty soil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not only the soil, the soil is very salty and the atmosphere is very salty as well. So breeze comes from the sea as uh, every day in, in, in every moment so th- the plant comes uh, and can get uh, saltiness from soil with the with the rootstock of course and can breathe saltiness with the leaves there so you can imagine you, you have to imagine uh, 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 like a desertic 
sandy, salty place where there are not other crops near near the vines. So it's a natural park protected. The viticulture over there is quite different than here because uh, the machinery is totally, totally forbidden. People plow the vines by hand. Whoa. No, by, no with animals, by hand. Whoa. So, uh, exactly. So it's one year, every day, every day, people are working in uh, on the vines because every day has a lot of tasks to do. If they are not pruning, are plowing, if not, they are adding some sulfur in, in powder, if not, they are leaving some green sticks or green leaves, or oh. they are de-leaving. De- so it's very, 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 very manual. So it's, it's amazingly manual. Uh, no machinery, no big machinery are allowed in, in this natural park because it's a reserve of birds. So you cannot make any noise. You cannot add any pest, nothing. Just a few powder, sulfur in powder. Just is only sulfur in powder, which is uh, allowed. The rest is forbidden totally by the law. By government, mm-hmm. there are some uh, the sulfur. The sulfur powder. Are you? We're talking. Are you using like backpack sprayers? Is that we're talking about, or is it actually like you're dusting? So you have a bag. You have a bag because mm-hmm. we we use only uh, mineral mineral sulfur. is uh, is very important because uh, you can you can get sulfur from two different sources: mineral, which comes from the earth and a derivative of petroleum. So after making fuel or gasol or something like that, a derivative produced is a, is a sulfur as well, okay? So we only use a mineral, which we are completely sure that after pouring, after spreading by hand, then it'll be integrated in the soil without intoxicating the, the soil, because it is a mineral. Then it's integrated, and year by year with the rain is very well uh, integrated, and is is uh, is benefit is benefit. Mm-hmm. But if you use the, the the petroleum derivate sulfate, it's totally the opposite. You you are intoxicating the the soil. So mm-hmm. in Lamada, very manual, every task, every day. One of the most important. We have uh, a challenging a challenging place to to make the to produce grapes which is surrounded by nature and protected so mm-hmm. a lot of birds mm-hmm. comes to eat grapes when the when the grape is ripe mm-hmm. a lot of rabbits comes to eat grapes or eat a green sticks when they mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they born so we are not allowed to fight against those pests, natural pests, animals. Uh, so you can't even nothing. use like bird netting. Nothing. We wow. the only we can the only we can use is a fence, mm-hmm. a fence that you you can start to fight against rabbit. Mm-hmm. So you can you can to repass you can to control to check day by day mm. the fence because the rabbits uh, bite destroy. <laughs> Pass underground, so every day, so it's no holidays, non-stop. No, is is a really hard task. It's a really hard. We oh, have yeah. people in La Mata which is working uh, with us because obviously we we can't arrive to the the old places, mm-hmm. but 
we are really sure that they work 365 days by year, mm-hmm. by year uh, and they work the Christmas day, the, the New Year, uh, Easter, doesn't matter. So we prune the whole state and La Mata only with two, three peoples. Wow. So it, it takes <laughs> from November to February. Wow. I have a curiosity in 2000 and 2020, last year, the pandemic year, you know, in Spain, we had a lockdown. So the people in La Mata couldn't go to work to the vines for almost one month. You can imagine that. So in one month, which was around March and April, a 30 or 40 percent of the total production in La Mata was lost because the rabbits, because they couldn't Whoa. go every day to yeah. check the fence. Whoa. <laughs> you imagine. In a, in a usual year, how much are you losing to, because I, I assume if you can't put up netting, I mean, you're losing some to birds every single year. I assume you're losing some to rabbits every single year, like 30, 40% is huge. But what is what do you sort of expect in a normal year? In a normal year, more or less, we expect to lose around 15%, Okay, more or less, t- 10, to, 10 to 15 Okay. Is lost by hanim- by animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, in, in La Mata, uh, there is a, a weather conditions, a climate conditions, quite difficult as well to fight because uh, it's a very wet area, very, very, mm. very wet. The humidity is almost every day around 100%. This is really bad for, for, for fungus, you know, for yeah. even for medium. That's why there is a lot of tasks, manual tasks to do yeah. to fight against that. Uh, ideating the, the the vines, orientation mm-hmm. the vines, just uh, working to avoid any amount of humidity surrounding. Yeah, the so it's like a lot of leaf leaves. pulling. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Here in Vienna, it's totally the opposite. Mm-hmm. So we are inland. We are just 50 kilometers from the coast, mm-hmm. so we are not so far. But mm-hmm. we are inland. Uh, this week. We are having minus seven, minus eight, minus nine wow. ten, uh, degrees every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we are in land, it snows every year, and the conditions are different. Although we have some breezes from the sea as well, normally here is is, is drier than La Mata. So mm-hmm. for, for, fight, for fighting against pests, fungus, etc., is easier for us. So we, we can use some machinery as well, uh, although we don't use any big machineries. So, for, uh, of course, uh, harvest is by hand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if, if we need to cut the grass because we have a green covert, uh, we can use a, a, a grass cutter uh, in mm-hmm. the tractor. Yeah. We don't have to plow by hand yeah, every, wow. a, 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 every vine, you know. In terms of growing, it's different. All of the vines in Vienna are are from your family originally, or did you add new holdings? No, from from our family mm. uh, state. Uh, we own uh, two different states in Vienna, in mm-hmm. the same uh, in the same village, but they are separately around twenty five kilometers each other, okay. with different ground conditions. But basically working with all monastrels planted by our great-grandfathers 80, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now the, the new generations, which I include, or my wife, Marta, we are betting for, for, for replanting new local varieties, which they are almost extinct. You can imagine in the 90s, maybe in this area, there were a 
fashion, a trend, which was planting French varieties, mm -hmm. Cabernet, Chardonnay, Syrah. So everybody was crazy planting French varieties. Was normal, was normal because it was the grapes the wineries uh, asked for. But nowadays, the new generation, we are turning back to, to recuperating uh, ancestral and local varieties. They are almost, almost extinct. So now we have a really nice and, and funny job uh, to recuperate varieties like Arcos, Grenache Pelu, Grenache Grey, mm -hmm. uh, Rojal, Valencia. They are they are they are working quite well here. So we we've we've done some trials, some tests three four years ago, mm -hmm. and they are varieties very well adapted, and they are ready to be in the in a, in the right moment fighting with climate change. They are a long, ripe maturation varieties. So they are perfect for growing in, in, in a dry area where, where we live, for example. On that, can you, uh, what are some of the challenges that are arising as a result of climate change? So the, the main challenge is fighting against uh, having the, the, the harvest too green. Obviously, the, the big storms of, of water or hailstorm, etc., is a is a risk, is a high mm -hmm. risk because here in Vienna we are having around 300 liters of rain per year, mm. but but normally we get that in one or two times. So Whoa. instead of having rain so often, uh, 10 liters uh, mm -hmm. every day. So we have a big storm with 100 liters, another with 200 liters, mm -hmm. and that's it. So it's difficult. It's difficult to, to fight against that. So that's why we have installed, we have chosen a green cover mm -hmm. because although people here think that the green cover competence, create a competence with the crop, is not true. What Andres is touching on is a classic divide in farming. At one extreme, you've got the financially motivated monoculture purists, obsessed with keeping grasses putting green low, all insects eradicated, and every last detail strategized to the benefit of a single crop. Andres and I are at the other end of the spectrum. We venerate the generative powers of competition. An ecosystem's inoxorable march towards diversity brings along with it a natural balance that provides, nurtures, and protects. The industry writ large, however, tends towards the former category, as it is easier to mechanize and therefore far more lucrative. And so, the prevailing opinion is that diversity is an obstacle to be managed rather than a gift to be respected and appreciated. The green cover fights against uh, losing water from the yeah. sea because uh, mm -hmm. they help to compact the soil to mm -hmm. avoid um, evaporation. Erosion. Mm. Exactly, erosion, mm. evaporation. This is one of the one of the things we have to find to to fight against uh, climate change. And the other one, obviously, is choosing uh, varieties mm -hmm. that can be well adapted for ripening at latest as possible. So it mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to, to have Merlot in Vienna, where, which you are harvesting in end July or maybe mid-August, 
mm-hmm. with 15 degrees and totally, totally, totally green. We, ha- we, we have to choose a, a variety, a crop, which could be well adapted for this challenging time that we are having, that we are living. Are you having to um, change what you're using as cover crops? No, we are using a, a, a spontaneous cover. And then we, we cut the grass two times normally when we have some exigent, uh, so we have some demand of, of water. The conditions are very hot here. Mm-hmm. We cut the grass to not create too much competence with yeah, them. Right. But the rest in autumn, in winter, we live. Every, every year have more more species in, in, our, in our green cup. Okay, now that we've got a picture of what's going on agriculturally, I wanted to learn about how Andres is choosing to celebrate the two terroirs through his work in the winery. One of the main decisions we did or, or we adopted, we adopted a few years ago was working in La Mata. And this is a, this is a, a quite easy, uh, understandable reason. So if we are in a kind of paradise, in, in, believe me, it's a quite, quite, it's probably one of the most peculiar area I've mm. never seen all over the world. If we are having a, this big amount of salt, from from land, but especially from 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 the breeze as well. Mm. This salt, this iodine, is added to the skins. So if we remove, when we pick the grapes, come to the winery, press the grapes, and remove the skins and only ferment the juice, we are losing more more than seventy or eighty percent of the of this particularity, this mm. speciality. That's why we wanted only working with the skin contact because we have mm-hmm. enough time to get to extract mm-hmm. the 100% of atmosphere, the 100% of uh, everything got from La Mata. You know what I mean? So in, in, and in Vienna, we don't have these uh, needs. Uh, for example, in Vienna, we have whites or, or we elaborate our whites with a short time with the skins or not skin contact. But in La Mata, every grape who comes from La Mata are macerated. And how, how do you decide how long to do the macerations? Normally for testing. Normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally for testing. But more than for testing is a mix between testing and biodynamic calendar. We work with biodynamic since 2018. So mm-hmm. all we do is of course following the biodynamic calendar. Mm-hmm. So it's a mix. So we have to think with biodynamic days, good days, mm-hmm. proper days to do that. But of course, before that, we have to test, we have to see if the wine is ready for taking out or not. I love clay. It is a magical substance, and I've always been drawn to its mythic significance and pure, sometimes rough-hewn beauty. I love fermenting food in clay. I love the effect of clay vessels on wine, and I'm fascinated by the enormous complexity involved in their handling and care. Andres Seller features Tinaja, the historic Spanish amphorae, and more than anything, I wanted to hear him talk about them. I discovered the clay, the Tinajas, uh, in 2016, so it's not so far from, from now. When I was working uh, in Vienna, I, I, I talked with uh, Rafa Bernabe, uh, which he was one of the one of the people here in, in in Alicante, which was the first person working with Tinajas. I was very curious. Mm-hmm. I was 
working with him for some time making natural wines but was in 2018 when we decided to to continue his project i felt in love with tinajas there is a there is a romantic there is a romantic point of view of tinajas well obviously so i believe in in, in energies so i i believe a lot with energies of course that's why we were with the biodynamic as well so the tinaja thousand years ago at the the religious uh, buildings like churches churches etc built a dome and the roof with this shape so like a, a tinaja like an amphora with the upside down version exactly because they believe with that shape they were invocating energies from the sky so the tinaja is totally the opposite if you if you believe in, in the reason if you make it in just in the opposite way uh, you are getting or you are asking for energies from the soil Th- there is a, a, a romantic idea that i believe and, and i love it but uh, turning back to your question is really really uh, difficult to work with tinajas because uh, they are very heavy uh, we normally move the tinajas with three or four people mm-hmm. very carefully very carefully so it's Maybe, in fact, where we have the tinajas in our solar, um, we try to not move in the tinajas anymore when we put it, mm-hmm. because otherwise it's dangerous. Uh, yeah. I remember one time, uh, one tinaja was blocked in a line on the on the tile line, and we turned heavily and we broke it. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how yeah. we felt. Yeah, I don't need to imagine. When my Georgian Quivery arrived, I accidentally bumped the oversensitive control lever on my front loader and watched one of those astounding beauties smash into a thousand pieces. It's a huge bummer. Um, we have to do it very, very carefully, handle at least with three, four people for yeah. moving the tinajas. How big are they? We have from 200 to 500 liters. Okay, yeah. Different shape, different shapes, different, because the tinajas are, all of them are yeah. handmade by the Maestro Padilla. Mm-hmm. So every tinaja is unique. So you can imagine, we have controls by mm-hmm. government, which comes to the winery, they count every liter of wine we have. Yeah, right. And then they ask, how many liters are there in this tinaja? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I say, I don't know. Yeah, right. And you don't know. So no, we estimate around 250, 243. Mm-hmm. Everyone is, uh, is, is special. Everyone is unique. And there is not any measurement, any, mm-hmm. any rule, any table that we can follow. So... Mm-hmm. Is an estimation, and then for cleaning the tinaja, uh, we only use uh, warm water after taking out the, the wine from tinajas with a small pump and a pipe. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we rinse with water, mm-hmm. normal uh, water um, uh, from the tap, and with the pump, we at, at the same time we are adding water. We are removing mm-hmm. the water with the pipe. Yeah. After that, we we use warm water around 60 to 65 degrees okay. without any pressure. So we mm. can use we can't use any machine with pressure 
yeah. is warm water that we boiled and then we clean just to, to remove any dirtiness that can mm-hmm. can keep in the tin. And that's it. So Are you doing it like with a with a like bucket of warm water and a cloth? It's it's manual. Exactly, it, manual, but very carefully. And the most important is trying to have the tinajas as much time as possible fill up. Yes, not right. Dry, not not empty mm-hmm. as much as as much as possible. Not always is possible. Because, for example, we are taking out some wines from Tinaja, which has been five months in Tinaja. Uh, for example, El Rosado de Padilla, El Carro. So we are mm-hmm. going to take it out. Uh, and tomorrow, which are fruity day, we are taking out some Tinajas for bottling. Mm-hmm. For, and until harvest, until beginning of August, they will be empty, some of them. Mm. But we try to do our best to to have our tinajas as much time as possible uh, full. Uh, what are you looking for in grapes as you're disgui- deciding what fruit is going into the tinajas? Normally, uh, we have some parcel, we have some plots, which which they are already defined for one wine. Mm-hmm. For example, we have some plots that always goes to Salicornio. Uh, we have another plot that always goes to Tragolaro white. But there are other ones that, uh, for example, for Benimakia. I don't know if you already have tested Benimakia Tinajas. I haven't. I have not had that wine. No. Okay. So Benimakia Tinajas is a wine that, for example, we select the best grapes. We every vintage in La Mata is a is a testing, testing, mm-hmm. testing, mm-hmm. testing. Uh, just looking, checking, and we choose the best grapes that we are going to use for this wine. Mm-hmm. And we only use the best because they are being to be uh, with the skins six months mm-hmm. in amphora in Tinaja, mm-hmm. with the skins. Then after the six months, we press, we leave the skins. It'll be six months more in Tinaja without the skins. Mm-hmm. So in total, one year in Tinaja. And then it'll be bottled. So if we don't choose the ripest, the best grapes that we uh, think mm-hmm. are the best for this wine. And normally the tinaja, we, we are in the risk that the tinaja are over the over the wine. Mm-hmm. And we want that tinaja and wine are always balanced and mm-hmm. very well uh, mixed, not one on top, other in on the bottom. Mm-hmm. No, tinaja and fruit and grape and the wine in the same line. Interesting. What are some of the things that you're starting to work towards kind of looking down the way five, 10 years? What are you really excited about and curious about? We have already done uh, uh, another, another project. So mm. it's, been, it's been finished uh, at the end of the year in, in December. So mm-hmm. was refur- refur- we have done the refurbishment of the Casa Balaguer. Mm-hmm. Which is an 18th century house. is is amazing. It's also mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a lovely house uh, built in 19th century with original tiles that we have wow. to respect. is a is a project created not for making uh, enotourism mm-hmm. like Napa Valley, for example. Mm-hmm. Now with a lot of uh, coaches and bu- and buses, etc. So we want to create an education education and tourism we want to receive uh, seven to ten people to transmit the philosophy of the biodynamic 
the mm-hmm. slow wine, mm-hmm. the, the respect to the earth, to the land. We have two rooms to invite people to rest here, mm. to offer a, 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 a true breakfast with omelette, with eggs taken a few minutes before. It's a, a slow life, a slow food. And this is, a, this is a, a kind of dream that we have done in terms of growing maybe um, have a hundred percent, hundred percent biodynamic producer. Mm. So we have started in 2019, so it's quite recent. Yeah. And we are, we are learning, we are learning year by year, day by day mm. with the most prestigious uh, producers in France, in Italy, in Spain. And every day uh, we are um, changing and we are having different things in the state, in the, mm. in the, in the growing, in terms of growing. So what we want in the next three, four, five years is, is having a 100% biodynamic state, following the 100% principles, biodynamic principles, mm-hmm. with animals, with horses, having uh, as less production as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can and you can can be a strength. So we want to reduce our production or at least maintain, keep the production stop, yeah. not growing, increasing prices, increasing value, but mm-hmm. not because we want it. No, we wanted to eat because people ask ask uh, want to um, ask for it. Mm-hmm. So we have some clients that last year told me you are selling the wines too cheap. <laughs> clients that's good feedback to get yeah yeah exactly and yeah. they are paying for our wines you yeah. are selling the wines too cheap so <laughs> yeah, you, are, yeah. you you have a nice project you are spending your whole life you are working manually la mata you can sell the wine at that price point man mm-hmm. you have to yeah exactly so maybe one of the one of the first Thing we have to change is our minds. We have mm. to believe it in our in our project. You know what what are we doing that we are? Mm. So one of the best, one of the most wonderful things we are having when we travel all over the world uh, is the feeling from our customers. Uh, that people are, are are really really humble with us. They are very kind. They are very. Uh, happy when we are there because mm-hmm. they love our wines and for us it's very nice experience so mm-hmm. what we want for the next future is just growing that in the contact mm-hmm. we have with our customers we want to invite everyone to come here to discover and that's it we are so we are happy with that we don't want any any other any other goals in, in a future more than that Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to Andres for his warmth and passion. You can follow us on Instagram at Olmsted Wine and check out olmstedwine.com for articles, producer write-ups, and our monthly newsletter. Till next time!